Somebody thank the Lord for grace right now all over this building. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on, somebody, just make a joyful noise right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, they couldn't have chosen a more perfect song for the subject of my sermon tonight. And I'd like to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 23. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 23. And we'll read down to verse 28 together. If you have that, say amen. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I'd like to preach from this title, and I realize it's a unique title, but my sermon is Grace is the Glue. Grace is the Glue. Could we put our Bibles down and let's lift up our hands and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Could we do that? Lord, we're thankful for your touch tonight. We're thankful for what we have experienced in this service already. We know that you're not done with us yet, God. We're hungry and thirsty for your word. I thank you for every saint under the sound of my voice for every hungry heart that is here ready to receive what you have for them god i pray blessings upon them we give you praise and we give you glory and everyone said in jesus name in jesus name god bless you you may be seated as you're being seated look at your neighbor and tell them grace is the glue grace is the glue In our text, the Apostle Paul is busy warning the young New Testament church to heed the voice of God as a new and better covenant was ushered in. Jesus was, of course, the mediator of this new and better covenant. He reminded the Jewish church that the blood of Abel and the blood of sacrifice represented vengeance in the Old Testament but the blood of Jesus represented forgiveness in the new covenant. And so it is vital that we listen to the voice of God, abandon the old covenant, and enter into this new and better covenant. For if 
The voice of God shook Mount Sinai. And if the voice of God shook the whole earth at the ushering in of the Old Testament covenant, how much more important is this new and better covenant? Paul declared that not only will God shake the whole earth, but the heavens also. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be moved will be moved. Everything that is not solidified will be laid to waste. Everything that is not built on the foundation of Christ Jesus will crumble. Everything that is not built on the solid rock will stumble. God's church is built upon a rock. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But everything else in heaven and in earth will be shaken. We're experiencing that shaking right now all across the world because as pastor preached this morning, we are in the last days and everything that can be destroyed is being destroyed. But the church of the living God is unshakable. It is unbreakable. It is unmovable. We are standing because we are built on the rock that is Christ Jesus. There can be no regeneration without solidification. Paul reminds us that God has given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God has provided a firm foundation. And then Paul pauses to the Hebrew church to tell them that grace is the key ingredient that congeals us into the kingdom of God. Let us have grace so that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. Did you know that it is possible to serve God in an unacceptable fashion? It is possible to try to serve God with irreverence. And it is possible to serve God without godly fear. But it is not the acceptable way to serve the Lord. Grace is the glue that gives us sticking power. In another letter, Paul commanded the church at Thessalonica to stand firm and to hold fast to the traditions. Everyone said traditions. And you thought traditions were a bad word. Paul said to stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that they had been taught. Then he added, and you're able to do this because of Jesus Christ and the everlasting consolation and good hope that we have through grace. Everyone shout grace. When you're not sure how you're going to stand fast, remember grace. When you've done all you can do to stand and you don't know how you're going to keep standing, you can stand because of grace. When everything else is falling apart, you don't have to fall apart because of grace. When the earth all around is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. And I remember that grace is the glue that holds this whole thing together. Because if it had not been for grace, where would I be? If it had not been for grace, I would still be underneath the weight of the law. And that law would not, could not pardon my sins. If it was not for grace, I would still be dead in my trespass. 
pushing that burden forward into another year without ever achieving freedom from the power of sin. Without grace, there could be no victory. Without grace, there could be no freedom. Not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin. Without grace, there is no favor. Without favor, there is no blessing. Without blessing, there is no joy. And without joy, there is no strength. Remember, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But there is no joy without grace. Grace is the glue that keeps me in the church. Grace is the glue that keeps me close to God. Grace is the glue that keeps me standing on solid ground. Grace is the glue that mends a broken heart. Grace is the glue that puts broken lives back together. Grace is the glue that puts a rambler on paths of righteousness. Grace is the glue that puts a drifter on the straight and narrow. Grace is the reason I have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me. Grace is the reason I have a song in my heart. Grace is the reason I have a... Grace is the reason I have a dance in my step. Grace is the reason I can lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Grace is the reason I'm standing in front of you tonight. Grace is the reason that we can worship God with abandon. Ha <laughs> Ah. Grace is what compels a holy God to fill unworthy flesh with his spirit. Grace is what keeps me. Grace is what sustains me. Grace solidifies all of the other attributes and qualities of God and puts us into covenant relationship. Someone shout grace. You need to understand that grace is the glue before you learn what I'm about to tell you next. Look at your neighbor and tell him one more time, grace is the glue. Now tell him, and that's the good news. The bad news is that God's word is a hammer. The prophet Jeremiah declared that God's word is like a hammer that smashes a rock into pieces. In the New Testament, we read that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts between the soul and spirit, dividing the joint and marrow, exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is truth and it does not change. All of these are painful analogies intended to help us understand that God's word is not passive, it is active. God's word is alive. God's word is truth. God's word is absolute. And it cannot be adjusted to accommodate our feelings. It cannot be adapted to fit our philosophies. When a hardened sinful heart is exposed to God's word, it is hammered by the weight of absolute truth. When a sin-ridden soul is exposed to the word of God, it immediately goes on to the spiritual operating table where the word begins to cut away at every impurity, at every fallacy, at every sinful delusion, at all of the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and, and all of those things that pervert the flesh. The word of God is like a sword and it cuts away at all of those impurities, every cancer that sin has caused. The word of God begins to slice and it begins to dice and then it comes in like a hammer a blunt instrument that just begins to crush the weight of our own sin the word of God 
the word of God. This is not a pleasant or delightful process. When our sinfulness is laid bare before God, it hurts. When our failures are revealed to us and to God, it is painful. The hammer of God's word breaks us into pieces and the sword slices things out of our lives that we thought we could never live without. We come to God with false doctrines and bad habits and misguided priorities and carnal desires. And God's word smashes those things into tiny pieces. It hurts when God starts cutting hatred out of your life. Some people have never lived without hatred and they're not sure if they can survive without it. It hurts when God starts cutting promiscuity out of your life. It hurts when God starts cutting vanity and pride out of your life. In fact, for some people, it almost seems unbearable. It hurts when God starts cutting away at all of the preconceived ideas that you've held since birth. It hurts when God starts cutting away at your addiction. It hurts when God starts cutting away at all of the sinful pleasures of this world that you have held dear for a lifetime. But you cannot change the word of God. It will always be a hammer and it it will always be a sword and it will always be dividing and it will always be exposing and it will always be illuminating and it will always be alive. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. See, the hammer is relentless and it softens its blow for no man. The sword is swift and it slows down for no one because it is removing the cancer bit by bit, sermon by sermon, lesson by lesson, devotion by devotion, and prayer by prayer. It's very much like the pain that Jesus felt at the Garden of Gethsemane where he humbled himself to the will and to the word of the Father. And he said, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. That's always the response to the hammer and the sword. If you need to take it from me, God, take it from me, Lord. If you need to remove it out of my life, remove it out of my life. If it's not right, if it's not pure, if it's not clean, if it's not holy, if it's not acceptable in your sight, go ahead and cut it out of my life. I know it might hurt at first, God. I may not want to lose it right now, God. I may not know how I'm going to live without it, God. You may have to break me into little pieces. How many remember when you first came to God and when you first started being exposed to the hammer of the word, it felt like your life was being broken into little tiny pieces. Sometimes we live for God for a long time and we become so professional in our Christianity that we forget that to a sinner who walks through the doors and has never been exposed to the truth of God's word, we forget how painful it can be. We can forget how agonizing and excruciating the, the word of God can be at first because it is a hammer. And if you humble yourself to the word, it will lead you to the cross. The cross is even more painful than the word. That old lifestyle, that old nature, that old way of acting and thinking must be nailed to the cross 
of repentance. It takes courage to repent. Because repentance isn't just sorrow. It is a decision to change directions. Repentance is like a cross that you pick up and carry every day. No, it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily decision to follow Jesus wherever he leads. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. At first, it will take you to the tomb where you will be buried in the waters of baptism. All of this is brokenness. All of this is pain. All of this is difficult until you get to the good part. And the good part is all because of grace. Everything up to this point falls underneath the banner of God's mercy. Everyone said mercy. The Bible tells us that if we will confess and repent of our sins, God is merciful and just to forgive us our sins. Baptism remits those sins into the sea of forgetfulness as though they had never been committed in the first place. Aren't you grateful that God cast your sin as far as the east is from the west? That means there's no distance. God literally just casts it into nothingness, and He does not access it again. Isn't God merciful? Isn't God awesome? Aren't you glad that God... uh, You know, God has to limit Himself. Because God knows everything. He sees everything. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. And yet God put a limitation on himself and said, I am going to put a mechanism inside of my holiness that when I blot their sins out, I will never go back. You may go back to your sin. You may relive your failures every day. But it's not God doing that to you. If you've put it underneath the blood of Jesus, God is not calling those sins to your your remembrance because God has cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. If it keeps coming back to you, you know what you need to do? Say, get thee behind me, Satan. Some of y'all need to try that out right now. Get thee behind me, Satan. I don't live there anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I don't live underneath that anymore. That old man is dead. That old lady is dead. That old life is gone. And it has no more power over me. Yes. That's the mercy of God. All of that is God's mercy. Removing the penalty for our past. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit <laughs> is God graciously giving us the power to walk in newness of life. He graciously fills us with His own Spirit so that we can experience abundant life. He didn't just come to give us any old boring life. He didn't come to give us a mediocre life. He didn't come to give us a joyless life. He didn't come to give us a peaceless life. He didn't come to give us a life that we have to feel bad about. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. Some of y'all need to receive that today because some of you are living beneath your privilege. You're living beneath the promise. You have not claimed abundance of life. Somebody needs to understand that he wants to give you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody needs to understand that he came to give you peace that passes understanding. 
He came to give you power from on high. Now, I outlined this this morning in our adult Sunday school class. For those of you that were here, I apologize, but I need to explain the difference between grace and mercy. Everyone said grace and mercy. Because grace and mercy are often confused. While they have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same. Mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all deserve the punishment for sin. And the punishment for sin has always been death. And grace is God blessing us despite the fact that we do not deserve it. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is God extending kindness to the unworthy. It is possible for humans to be merciful without graciousness. And it's possible for humans to be gracious without mercifulness. A person can withhold a legal judgment. Everyone said mercy. And still be spiteful towards the offender. That's a lack of grace. But God is both merciful and gracious at the same time. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Now listen. God, some of y'all are going to have to think about this for a minute. God could forgive us. Everyone said mercy. God could forgive us and he could release us from the penalty of sin. He could remove the penalty of death from our lives. That would be mercy. And yet God could refuse to have a deep personal relationship with us. God could forgive your debt and walk away from you and never interact with you again. And he would be perfectly within his rights. For example, if someone physically assaulted you, you could have mercy on them by refusing to press legal charges against them. You could even decide to forget about the whole thing. But you are under no obligation to become friends with that person. Everybody still with me? Or help that person. Or bless that person. Or make that person a part of your family. In fact, that person would owe you a great debt of gratitude. And if you never spoke another kind word to them for the rest of your life, you would have still given them mercy. And you still would have been in the right. But I want you to see what the gracious infilling of the Holy Ghost actually means for our relationship with God. It is the undeserved blessing of God that we can never repay that goes way, way, way beyond mercy. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. In case some of you missed that, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you have the same Spirit 
the same power, the same authority living inside of you that resurrected Christ Jesus from the dead on the third day. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. That's good news. That is good news indeed. You have the same spirit. Aha. All right. We're almost there. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, not to sin. Not to iniquity. No, no, no. I'm not a slave to iniquity any longer. (laughs) I'm a debtor, but not to the old man. (laughs) Not to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit... Do mortify. You've got to crucify. You've got to kill the deeds of the body. You've got to get that old nature, that old sin. You've got to wrestle it like Jacob. You've got to get it down. Get that old deceiver that wants to come back and wants to take over that new name of Israel. God called a new name over your life. But some of you still wrestle with Jacob. And God's trying to tell you, you're not Jacob anymore. Your name is Israel. Stop calling yourself Jacob. Stop living in that old condemnation because you are a new creature. (laughs) Mortify, mortify, crucify the deeds of the body and ye shall live. For as many as are led by the flesh. No, no. For as many as are led by the spirit of God. Listen, listen, some of you still aren't going to get it, but I I know some of you are. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they've already had mercy, but it it goes way beyond mercy. He's already forgiven. He's already cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. But now you are resurrected by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you are called the sons of mercy. That is grace, my friend. That is grace, my friend. You are now sons and daughters. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit. Listen, listen. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba. Abba. Daddy. Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. Did you hear that? Some of y'all still don't understand. We are the children of God. We broke his law. We broke his heart. We backslid over and over again. Oh, Israel, how many times have you fallen, Jesus exclaimed. How many times have you turned your back on me, oh, Israel? And yet in spite of all of that, not 
only did he withhold the penalty of death, not only did he throw their sins into the sea of forgetfulness, but he gave them his own spirit. It's just like if somebody walked up to you on the street tonight and shot you in the chest and you got up and did not press charges and you got up and said, we're going to forget about the whole thing. And then you went back to him and said, hey, I want to put my name on you. I want to put you in my will. I want to make you a part of my kingdom. I'm going to give you my benefit package. I'm going to put my authority. I'm going to put my authority on you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to put all of my resources behind you, my friend. That is the grace. That is the grace of God. God has filled you with his own power. He's filled you with his own spirit. And when you receive his spirit and only, listen to me now, and only when you receive his spirit. There's no other way to be adopted in, to be grafted in to the family of God. You can only do it through his spirit. And that's grace. The Holy Spirit given by the grace of God as the musicians come solidifies us into the unshakable, unmovable, unbreakable kingdom of God. Consider this. Our sin placed Jesus on the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. By his mercy, we are forgiven. And by his grace, we are empowered to be called sons and daughters of God. Can we stand and clap our hands all over the building right now and thank God for his grace? Come on, somebody, thank God. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. (laughs) The Word is a hammer. It breaks us. The sword cuts us. Grace, (laughs) grace is the glue that puts us back together. Jesus comes in with his spirit and he takes the broken pieces of our lives that we lay on an altar. Takes the broken pieces of our heart covers it in grace he puts it together and behold all things are made new by the grace of God I wonder if you're here today and you need to experience the power of God the grace of God that does not enable you to sin but it empowers you to live above sin I wonder if there's someone here today that could say, Brother Ryan, I desperately need the power 
of God's grace. I need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life because I feel weak right now. I'm the first one in this altar with you. Could we, could we just come to this altar and lift up our hands and say, God, I need a fresh touch of grace. I need a fresh refilling of your spirit. I want to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And it's going to take your grace to do it. I want to be adopted into the family. I want to be grafted into the vine. I want to be a part of what you're doing. That's beautiful. Let's humble ourselves. Let's humble ourselves. Let's lay down our pride. Let's lay down our haughtiness. Let's lay down every distraction. And just come entertain the presence of the Lord. That's it.